Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Todd Dammit Kearns from Slash featuring Miles K and the Conspirators, Bruce Kulick, and so much more. And you are listening to the hottest podcast in the land, Shout It Out Loud Cast, with Tom and Zeus. Okay, wait for us like that. Shout it, shout it, shout it out loud cast. Shout it, shout it, shout it out loud cast. I don't know. Hello. Hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus in another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. Episode 160. Eddie Trunk 2. Electric Boogaloo? Wow. Dude, what a banger of a January for Shout It Out Loudcast. I mean, wow. I mean, we start off the month with Love Gun. We get James Campion, author of the Destroyer book. We get the talisman for a kiss draft. We get Eddie Trunk. And in between that, hopefully you guys have already checked out the album review crew with Jericho. I mean, wow. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been a uh, pretty hectic to say the least. And since we have like Eddie on, it was a nice, actually pretty long interview. Uh, mm. Let's just uh, try to get through some feedback quickly and get to that. Uh, Tom, so last week we had the talisman come and do our uh, kiss draft with us. And we had a Gene and Ace kiss draft. And how'd that poll turn out? Yeah, so uh, that was that was a blast. What a blast to have those guys on. Hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, so the poll was uh, we posted um, everybody's draft lists, all five of us. And uh, we had you guys vote on which one you guys liked. And Jeremy kind of ran away with it. Yeah, Jeremy crushed it in the poll. Uh, he got 40%. People loved his his uh, the set list that he drafted. Um, we'll just get to a couple comments here. Uh, Graham Richley, I want to grow up to be a talisman. I'm in danger of liking those guys more than the guys in Kiss. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Twisted Kister says, always a good listen with these guys. Uh, JC says, hands down Zeus with secretly cruel good girl gone bad and Domino. Uh, then Tony and Vet Halen both said Jeremy clear winner here. Uh, baseball and death said, I got to go with Phil's for nothing to lose, which to me is Gene's greatest song. If Jeremy had drafted any way you slice it, I might have had to think harder about it because I don't know if I could vote against two Hornets nest references. <laughs> two Hornets nest references. Wow. Okay. Yikes. Uh, and then let's get into a couple Twitter things here. Our buddy Costa, 
right when Charisma was chosen, I knew this would be an awesome show and a draft. What stories? These guys could write a book about touring and playing with Gene and Ace. Of course they could. Then we got a picture and a tweet from Ian Carter. And he says, hang on. These guys were my backup band on the Kiss Cruise a few years ago. How lucky was I? And it's a picture of him on stage with the talisman. I don't know if he was doing karaoke or what, but good for you, Ian. Pocket Rocket Ride. Badass musicians right there. Yes, they certainly are. Texan Brian. Love it. It's been a while since a draft. Talisman are hilarious. Tom, I can't believe it took you that long to take shock me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's some Twitter stuff. Let's uh, let's keep flying through feedback. Uh, what yeah. do we got on, on, on the book of face? Yeah. Uh, buddy, Mr. Jepson. Uh-oh. Yeah. These guys are so awesome. I've had a pleasure of seeing them many times and hang out a bit with them. You can't say a bad thing about them. They will go down in history. And what better guys to do so? Can't say enough praises about them. Absolutely hilarious show fuckers. Wow. Yeah, Kevin. On Instagram, Tui Hoi Liam. I don't know who that is, but in the middle of this episode right now, it's so awesome. These guys are cool as hell and have certainly gained a new fan. Also, do you like Kiss? (laughs) We get that do you like Kiss thing so freaking much. My God, what a catchphrase it just took off. Oh, my (laughs) God. On DM on Instagram, Greg the Hammer Valentine. (laughs) Excellent new episode. Made my day. All right. Well, we try to do the best we can over here. Um, the hammer, and hopefully you meet up with Brutus the Barber Beefcake and uh, all is well. <laughs> and then over on YouTube, we got Jay Rucker. Saw the talisman with Ace in Charlotte last year. Great show. Ryan kept throwing picks towards my area. The boat just three hit the floor in the front of the barricade. The security guard was sort of a dick and acted like they weren't there, even though I pointed them out to him. Anyway, it was a great show overall. Those guys are super talented. Mr. Antonio 2005. All right. Great picks by all. And I really like the box set picks. Thank you to the talisman guys for all their work with Gene and Ace over the years. They are the reason Gene and Ace are stretching themselves to add rarities to the set. And I hope one day to see them in concert with Ace. I would add a top five for me that didn't get covered in the draft episode is Naked City, Mr. Mm. Make Believe, Hate, yeah, Into the Void, eh, Mm. Only You, and my bonus would be It's My Life, which was picked. Yep. Uh, Most of those are pretty good. Nice. Well, in with this one, Marty White. Oh, that was a great answer about rock and roll party. I never knew it was a loop of the choir and banter, but to make some early news about the off the soundboard Tokyo show sensible originally kiss planned to loop the acapella part from eat your heart out <laughs> underneath a loop of Paul's banter from the Tokyo show. The trouble is they didn't want to hire an intern to loop those parts together. The idea was dropped shortly after it was verbalized, not only because of the cost of the intern, but also no one could find a clip of the banter where Paul didn't say, tell 
Pinocchio 47 times in one sentence. Awesome. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, and we actually got an email from James Campion, the Destroyer book author, talking about that rock and roll party track. And he says it's in his book. It's on pages 255 and 256 of his book. It was Jay Messina's idea, an execution taken from an audio exercise by a composer, Steve Reich, called It's Gonna Rain, in which the sound of a preacher recording is looped with a slight alteration on the timing until the words are indecipherable and become their own soundscape. Messina had experimented with his own for years and offered Ezrin as a cool way to end the record and hopefully, according to what Bob told him, connect the first side to the second so it sounds like one continuous sonic theme. What Jay did was the opposite as he started with cacophony and as each time the tape loop came around, he took one or two overdubs off until you can hear what Paul is saying. It's a cool story, and that's how it goes. And he's right. If you listen to it, the more it plays, the clearer Paul's vocals or wording becomes. Uh, but that's a that, this is why you got to love being friends with somebody like James, who can just jump in and be like, hey, I heard your episode, and I got something to add. So thank you for James for that. That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. You have any other emails there, buddy? Uh, we got two quick ones to go through here. Our good friend, Daniel LeBlanc. Hi, Tom and Zeus. It's My Life is one of my current favorite songs from Kiss. And during the conversation regarding that song, there was a moment when the reason why it didn't make Psycho Circus would be revealed. I think it was Ryan who said he knew. And then when pressed for details, he said he was just kidding. Anyway, glad we got on the box set. Yes, Daniel, we're both glad we got the song on the box set because we both love that. It's a good one. And we will finish up feedback with something from our good friend, Wes Beach. From the Plasmatics, former guest of Shout Out Loudcast. Hey guys, that was a fantastic episode and sounded like everyone had a great time. I didn't realize that they backed both Gene and Ace, and it was cool to hear their stories of interacting with them. Disappointed no one picked Love's a Deadly Weapon because I would have liked to hear their insight on it. I do have a theory as to why It's My Life was not included on Psycho Circus. Paul was not a fan of Wendy and probably didn't want to use a song that she recorded, much the same way he was mad that they did Thief in the Night after she did it. Raise Your Glasses is almost a reworking of It's My Life, and maybe it's their nod to the song. When I first heard a pre-release version of Psycho Circus, I thought it was It's My Life, but sadly it wasn't. One wonders if it was included on the album, if it would have been a single or a video. Keep rocking, gents, Wes. And Wes, you send us great emails every week. This was an awesome one, too, with some comments and some insights. We appreciate that. And for that, you are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) Well-deserved, Wes. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Tom, what we do next is we always like to give a shout out to our Patreon family. Well, uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys got to hear your selection this week. Uh, if you're playing this episode uh, on Wednesday, we dropped the Slave to the Grind, which was the Patreon pick for ARC. And that one had uh, our buddy Jericho joined us for that. And uh, I know everyone was like, oh, what's going to happen there? But Chris was honest. Chris gave his opinion. And uh, he loves that album. And uh, I feel, well, 
I want you guys to hear the episode. You can hear the rest of us and the rest of our opinions about it. But uh, that was a ton of fun. And that came from Patreon. So if you're interested in joining our Patreon account, one of the things is you guys get to select every other uh, quarter uh, episode for ARC. You guys pick that amongst other things like T-shirts, stickers and appearances and videos and all sorts of goodies that we throw in. So if you want to support us and help the show go grow and uh, continue to do bigger and better things, uh, please join us on our Patreon family. You guys are a huge help to us. And you can find that on the Patreon uh, link, which is attached to the show notes, patreon.com or Patreon the app. You would just search for creators and you look up for shout out loudcast, take a look at it, see if this is something that interests you. And if you like to come join our family and uh, I, we can't say enough about them. They're fantastic. And they've been a big help. And it's uh, it, it keeps growing. So come join the fun. Yeah, you guys rock. Uh, thank you so much. We say it every week. Eternally grateful for everything you guys are doing. And uh, we're excited that you guys got your first Patreon album review crew pick. And uh, what better way to bring that in than with uh, a visit from Jericho. So thank you guys so much. And uh, there's more fun to come. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, Tom, what we do next is we go over to Kiss World which is kind of like uh, crickets these days. Yeah, for the first time in a long time, it is absolutely crickets. Um, there's really nothing going on. It's <laughs> Paul was making a pizza. Uh, people pe- people <laughs> were excited did, about that. <laughs> which looked terrible. He didn't even slice it up or anything. It had like seven pieces of pepperoni on it. Like that looks that looks like the kind of frozen pizza you make at 2 a.m. when you're like shit faced. Yeah, like, look what I made. Oh, it looks like a bobbly pizza. <laughs> yeah, it looks like one of those red baron pizzas you get for like three bucks. <laughs> or DiGiorno with Mama DiGiorno. Um, Mama yeah. Celeste. <laughs> Mama Celeste. That's it. Mama Celeste with her knee sock fucking pantyhose down to her ankles. <laughs> Making pizza in the oven. It looked fucking bad. It just looked stupid. It looked like something you say to your like 10-year-old kid. Oh, good job on that. Not a yeah. freaking guy who's like, oh, I should make a cookbook. And there are super fans out there, like super fan. Ooh, that looks delicious. Can I come over? No, no. There's a restraining order on you, super fan. <laughs> and then in addition to that, there was another one. We was talking about like, oh, I made fancy pasta. Compliments to the chef. But that was me. And it looks like it was like Kraft Mac and Cheese Box. <laughs> Yeah, another one of his Olive Garden dishes. Oh, my God. It looked terrible. In the meantime, what was Gene talking about? Yeah, and Gene decided to retweet an article about TV remote controls and how much he hates them. Dude, you fucking spit blood and breathe fire. No one wants to hear your old man yelling at the cloud. It's like fucking Archie Bunker bitching about his chair. And he has, can't find the remote, the clicker. Like oh, the two of them, it's so non rock and roll. Oh my yeah, god, they just don't care. They just don't care. Uh, I think Tommy put something out of like, can't wait to get on the road. I saw that. Yeah, of course, he can't wait to get on the road. It's probably the only way he gets paid. Uh, Bruce and Grand Funk is going to join uh, Kid Rock on their tour. What a weird lineup! Kid Rock, Foreigner, and Grand Funk Railroad. That's interesting. Yikes. Go, go see Kid Rock. Get your hepatitis shot before you do. Jeez. Oh. 
Hey guys, Kid Rock, what a show. American badass. Ba with the ba, da ba, da bang, diggy, diggy. Hey guys, Bruce Kulick hanging out here. My friend, Kid Rock, great guy. We played a lot of his songs. I think you know him. See you next time. It's Bruce. Take care. Stay away from him. He's got hep A, B, C, and D. Uh, sounds like what we were saying about Ace. So long. <laughs> exactly. And now you're gone. Oh, so long. So long. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's about it for Kiss World, right? Nothing yeah, really and, else. And, and, yeah, no, that's it. And then uh, no word on the Australian tour, which starts in March. Uh, status quo for now. So, yep. Yep. So, Tom, before we continue and get to the big interview, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to see if uh, Ace Fraley is available to uh, uh, get ready to come and play a couple songs for us. All right, we're back. I was just changing the batteries in my remote control. You know, I hate those things. Like, Gene, I can't terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was just going out and grabbing a couple slices and a mellow yellow. And I also like to enjoy a box of Cracker Jacks with those. You guys were talking about Paul's Pizza. I figured, why not hit Regina Pizzeria downtown? <laughs> I like getting the toys and Cracker Jacks. <laughs> Ace is eating Cracker Jacks, but <laughs> apparently he is. Anyway, Tom. favorite of those little <laughs> tattoos I can get. <laughs> I once got a tin whistle that I like to try to incorporate in one of my solo albums. <laughs> I've got to get ace, ace, that's a kazoo Put put that down, Ace It's a, it's a kazoo you found uh, Regardless, Tom We had the uh, You know, we, we were thinking way back when When the biography came out To get our buddy Eddie Trunk on mm-hmm. And we had it all scheduled We were going to do a little bit of a round table With him and Jericho and us To talk about this And it just uh, One of us had a scheduling conflict And it wasn't Eddie or us <laughs> so we postponed <laughs> this till this time and uh you know we can just wind up eddie and just talk kiss non-stop and see where it goes and uh thankfully we 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 uh were able to get him on uh and you know nothing was off the table and uh we just hit record and went yeah it, like zeus said with eddie and kiss or eddie and anything you, you just toss a topic up in the air and he just takes it and just goes to town with it. And that's what we did. We, we, we led with some topics and then kind of let Eddie kind of direct the traffic with it. And uh, it was just, it was just fantastic. I mean, 90 minutes went by like the snap of a finger. I mean, it was amazing and we're excited for you guys to hear it. It was really, really fun for us. Yeah. So without further ado, here is Eddie trunk too. Welcoming back to the show is the great Eddie Trunk, and we're excited and honored to have him back for a second round of Shout It Out Loudcast. So, Eddie, thank you so much. Welcome back to the program. We're excited to have you again. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Awesome. So, a lot has gone on in uh, in Kiss World. We, you know, again, we're a Kiss podcast, so that's what we focus. We might have a couple of non-Kiss things to talk about, but 
I want to start off with something that I know Zeus and I are excited about. Our, our listeners are excited about, and that's the recently announced creatures fest mm-hmm. um, that is going to be Memorial day weekend in Nashville um, put on by Neil Davis, who, you know, you emceed uh, the, uh, that awesome Christmas masquerade event from December, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a bonanza for kiss fans. You got Ace Frilly, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick and his incredible band. Uh, and then a bunch of other, you know, legacy acts, you know, quiet riot, enough's enough, things like that. So uh, this is kind of like a multi-tiered question. A, have you talked to Neil about potentially being involved with this event like you were with the masquerade? And generally speaking, what's your thoughts on an event like this and bringing together all the former members that fans want to see? And And what do you think? Paul and Gene think of this? Do, they, do you think they even care? Because this event checks off all the boxes that diehards like us want. Former members all together interacting with fans, playing deep cuts. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know a tremendous amount about it beyond what you just said and is the pretty, is pretty much what I heard about it. And, and I had heard that Neil was in, involved with it. I, I have a... Uh, a booking agent that actually booked a couple of the bands that are on there that also handles uh, my bookings. And he had said that he had had dialogue with Neil about me possibly coming on board for it and being involved, but it was something that Neil was going to look into a a little bit down the line, I think. So at the moment I'm not attached to it or not involved in it, but I'd love to be if it all works out. So we'll see as far as the event itself. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I don't, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's ever been a scenario where Vinny and Ace have been in the same room together. I, I don't think that ever happened. I mean, I, it could be wrong. Think, no, I think you're right. I think no. you're so right. So that yeah. in and of itself is super interesting to me. I, I don't know how it's laid out, though. Maybe you guys do better than I do, but is it staggered? Is everybody there the whole time? Are they there no. at, at the same area at the same time? Zeus, you can Yeah, I believe they're three headliners. I think Ace headlines the first night, if I'm not mistaken, Friday. Yeah. And then each one of them, I think then Bruce's is the the last, I believe, Tom. I think and so. Vinny's in the middle. So I don't know if they're so going to So we don't know if there's going to be, there might not necessarily be any crossover. That's correct. The thing where you correct. could get real excited about it. But if, I, I mean, it's still great no matter what to, to have that weekend. Don't get me wrong. But you'd also don't know, like, if if one got traditionally, unless there's incentive for the got these artists to stay the extra day, meaning something to sell, an opportunity to make money, whatever, they're in, they're out, they do what they got to do. So we don't know if there's going to be that crossover stuff. I think that where the Kiss fans' mind goes is, wow, all three of them jamming together or something like that. Right. We right. just don't know if that's even possible given the schedules. Right. And I think the reason why, you know, like I said, and I think, you know, Zeus and I and, our, you know, our, our friends and, and all the diehards, you know, like I said, we were on the Kiss cruise and, you know, the, the highlight for us, I mean, yeah, Kiss was great, but the takeaway from that was Bruce's band, which is phenomenal. I know you had Brent and the guys on your show recently talking to them. And Bruce. And, and Bruce, was, and Bruce, that, Bruce that's was right. on just before that show and I went to the show in Vegas. I was there. Oh, okay. So, okay. So you experience what we experience on the cruise, an absolutely phenomenal event that again, although, although the show I saw was different than what you guys would have seen on the you cruise, had Eric. Eric Singer was the yeah. drummer. Well, and, Eric, well, yeah. Well, Eric jumped in on the cruise. He was kind of hiding backstage, jumped on for Domino 
And I think I'm, I'm not sure it might have been one or another song, but you that 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 that's a segue into another question I was going to ask about Eric being involved with Bruce and his band in this in that event. Well, that my understanding on that is that was a very last minute uh, thing because Brent Fitz had COVID yeah, okay. uh, for, for the second time. So what happened, you know, I have a home in Vegas and I was I flew there because uh, Bruce had come on with me to promote it. And I really wanted to see it. And Bruce had been saying to me, one of these days when I do this on land, you've got to see this show. And the guys in his band, Brent and Todd and Zach, are, are really good friends of mine. Yeah. And we hang all the time in Vegas when I'm there. So I was always wanting to see it. And Bruce said, you got to come out. You got to see it. I go, I'm there. You're doing it on land. I'm there. So then Bruce called me. I flew to Vegas the day before. Bruce called me the day before. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be canceled because of COVID or something. Yeah. And he said, he explained to me that Brent Fitz was sick and couldn't play the gig. And he said, my only option is to call Eric Singer, who also now lives in Vegas. And I said to Bruce, I said, I don't know of a KISS fan that's going to have all respect to Brett Fitz, but I don't know anybody who's going to have an issue with Eric Singer, you know, the current KISS drummer playing the set. And Bruce explained to me, yeah, it's all good. But the problem was that it was such short notice that they had to radically alter the set list that they played at that show. And my understanding was, and what the guys told me was, they had to play stuff that Eric Singer knew and was comfortable with and had played before. So what they modeled the show after was the Kiss Alive 3 set list. Okay. And, yep. and because when I went to the show, I'll be honest with you, when they played Detroit Rock City and stuff, I was a little bit bummed because nothing against those songs. But, you know, I'm ready for like, you know, deep tracks from Asylum or something. And, you know, give me Secretly Cruel. Give me, you know, whatever. Yes. And and I was shocked and I was like, well, I don't really need King of the Nighttime World or Detroit Rock City from this lineup. But then they reminded me, look, you know, we had to make some changes and do stuff that Eric normally played, which I completely understood. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Zeus. What I was just going to ask you is uh, so we make a big note of it and we we talk about it throughout our show. Then when we've seen the end of the road tour maybe five times already. Mm hmm. And we're honest about the band. You've heard us and you were like you, you know, we'll, we'll talk them up, but we don't rub their feet here when they, when they do something that doesn't look to be right. And one of them is Eric looks bored on the end of the road tour. He looks unenthused. He looks tired. He looks like he doesn't care. He looks like it's a job. When we saw him on the kiss cruise and first he's backstage because it's so small. You can see him. He's tapping his hands. He's like itching to get out there playing different songs. He jumps on stage. He's not the same drummer. And he doesn't look like the same drummer when he played with Bruce's band. He seems excited. He seems like this is the music I like. What is your thoughts on it? Does Eric seem like he's like kind of bored of the what's going on? The same set list, the same crap, not excited about Kiss versus, you know, jumping on and playing the some deep cuts and things like that. I don't know. You know, that would I'd be, I'd, it'd be really hard Zeus, for me to comment on that just because I have not gone to see kiss in a really long time. Yeah. So I, I can't compare. I can't, I've, I've not seen that. And I've not, I mean, the last, I've, I've not seen Eric Singer play in a really long time until that show in Vegas last month. So that was the first time I've actually seen him play in a long time. And he and I have a ton of mutual friends and I know, you know, of course, I know Eric. Um, 
I, I haven't spoken to him or seen him in a while, and I'm sure it's inevitable before we run into each other and talk some in Vegas, given that we're both there a lot and he lives there. And again, we have so many mutual friends. And as I've said repeatedly, I have no issue whatsoever with Eric Singer or Tommy for that matter. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I can't comment on his, how he is in the current band and what's going on now, just because I'm not at the show, so I don't see it. But I will tell you this. I mean, I think that that could, you know, that that could be only natural for somebody in that position. I remember when Eric Carr was in Kiss and I was working with Ace and Eric Carr wanted very badly to go out and do a run of club shows with Ace. Uh, mm -hmm. He was Eric Carr even went to rehearsals once and, and rehearsed with Ace when he was trying out different guitar players at one point. And he said to me, and he wanted to, uh, this was probably around 88, 89, yeah. go and do like 20 shows. Kiss was off and he just wanted to go have fun. And he just lit up about the prospects of playing different songs, um, being in a smaller environment, just, you know, doing a different thing. And of course, Gene and Paul were not going to let him do that. He never ended up doing it, but that was something that appealed to him. So I think it's natural for any musician, um, especially let's be honest, when you're a hired gun and you're, you know, you're pretty much, you know, doing the marching orders that the bosses are laying down for you to want to spread out and expand out and try doing some different things. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was that side of it, but I couldn't say for sure. Cause I just haven't seen it. How'd you think he did with the, the guys in Vegas? I mean, given that it was short notice, I mean, yeah. look, he's a pro. He's a great drummer. I mean, oh, given yeah. that it was short notice, I mean, he jumped right in and didn't, no pun intended, didn't miss a beat. Un unfortunately, I actually, I heard the set, but I actually didn't see him physically playing that much because I don't know how many people have been to that club in Vegas, but it's a great spot. But there's this area off to the side that's like a, a, a VIP roped off area. And that's where they put me because I, I went to the show with Sebastian Bach. He and I went together nah. <laughs> and we just, when we got, we actually got there late. We got there like three songs in cause they went on early and they pushed us. No, they didn't push us, but they sent us right to that area. So I was trying to get, I could see the front line of the front three guys, but I was trying to get around to see Eric a little bit. And I did, but um, you know, I thought they sounded great. I mean, I love the show. I loved Bruce said something to me interesting, which I never thought about. He said that playing those songs is a real challenge for him now. He said really? this on my radio show because, hmm. and I said, how so? And he said, because I'm much older now. And I said, hmm. you mean just the dexterity? He said, yeah. He goes back then kiss was pushing me in such a direction because everybody had the hot shot flashing yeah. guitar player. And he goes, I had to really find a way to do that. It wasn't really naturally me. And Bruce has been playing a grand funk for what, 20 years. He's not doing that grand funk. Right, so he yeah. had to refine that whole style of playing again. And he admitted it's been really, it was really challenging for him to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. See, we got, it's funny too, because we did, we got lucky because the show that we did get on the cruise was that deep cut show oh. that you were talking about. I mean, they played almost the entire revenge album. You didn't get any of the Detroit Rock Cities and the Kings King of the Nighttime role. Pretty much there was no crossover between what Kiss played in their sets and what Bruce's band played in their set. <clears throat> and excuse me. And what and Zeus and I talked about it in a bunch of our friends. We were lucky enough to go on a huge group of buddies on the cruise. People were talking more about Bruce's band 
the performance itself and the set list and the energy and the dynamics and the fun, people looking at each other, screaming, saying, holy shit, I can't believe they're playing thou shalt not. I can't believe they're playing spit. I can't believe they're doing this. And, you know, uh, we, we, some of us, we felt kind of almost guilty that we went on the kiss cruise <laughs> and almost enjoyed them, that band more than, than kiss. And, and I wonder if the band has, has their finger on the pulse of the fans in any way with that. Well, here's what I'd say about that, Tom. And I, I, I you know, I get into this argument with my radio audience all the time because yeah. The one place where the fans are going to react like that and you're going to feel like that and you're going to get that kind of reaction to Thou Shalt Not or Heart of Chrome or whatever they're doing is on the Kiss Cruise. Because let's be honest, the Kiss Cruise is a captive audience of the most hardcore Kiss fans that are going to know those songs. If they go and try to do that in an arena somewhere on the end of the road tour, it's going to be a tune out to 90% of the people who are there to hear uh, you know, um, rock and roll all night and I was made for loving you and lick it up or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So I see that all the time. I mean, with every band, I mean, I've seen cheap trick a lot recently and I love cheap trick and I, I love the deep tracks from cheap trick. And I just was, I just hosted two shows that cheap trick played in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the audience watching every sh- song and they're playing downed and he's a whore and all these tracks from these these amazing songs. And I'm watching, being honest, I'm watching maybe 80% of the audience like this. Like really. And then they play the flame and the place goes apeshit. (laughs) So, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? So these, all of these artists have to play to the masses. And the thing about the kiss cruise is, that's where you can do all that deep stuff because the, the, it's almost, you flip the script. Yeah. 90% of the people on the kiss cruise will know every track on every record. So that's where that stuff is tailor made. And I think that uh, what they do on there and what I've seen of the video and stuff is, is fantastic. And truthfully, I, I think the no brainer of no brainers is for Kiss to bring Bruce and that band as the opening act. Thank you. Yes. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna really celebrate your legacy, you got the guy out there. Okay, we get it. You got to do the set you've been doing forever. Keep doing it to please the masses. But at least for the opening act, give that bone to the hardcore fans. And then if people aren't into it, they just stay in the parking lot and do another beer and come in late. But I Absolutely. think that would be the way to do it. I mean, that would be the, that is just the no brainer of no brainers. Agreed. Yeah. A couple of things um, going off that. I agree with you. And I know Paul says, and we all get upset because of the set list, the set list, the set list. I agree. However, he has nothing, nothing to back it up when he said, when he's playing uh, say, yeah. And he's playing, you know, cycle circus, take those two out. Don't tell me. That you need to like, oh, they'll leave, or that's when they go to the bathroom. They're not going to the bathroom well, when when those are playing. I well, mean- you're okay. You're a hundred percent right there, Zeus. And here's what I'd say. So here again, going back to just using Cheap Trick as the example, and Kiss is similar. So so Cheap Trick has like four or five songs every show they got to play, right? So mm-hmm. you know, I, in the case of Cheap Trick, I want you to want me Surrender, Dream Police, probably the Flame. Okay, mm-hmm. so you got. You know, maybe she's tight, maybe four or five songs. You got to do where the place goes crazy. 
that leaves 15 other songs that they rotate all the time. And Cheap Trick's good at doing this. And they will play anything and different sets every night. So they strategically place those songs like one of the hits every four or five songs so that if you have casual fans, you pull them right back in just as yeah. soon as they start to drift. Right. If you, you using going back to Kiss, Kiss could do the same thing because if we're being honest here, Kiss has their Kiss has a huge catalog, insanely fa- passionate fan base, but in reality, very few hit songs. Like I'm talking bonafide hit songs. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are they? Beth, Detroit. I mean, Love Gun, although not a hit's become a Kiss hit. Um, Rock and Roll Night, obviously. Lick It Up has become more of a 80s hit. So, you know, figure four or five songs. They have to do every show that everybody's there to see. Shout it out loud. Okay, that still leaves at least a dozen that the people who aren't hardcore fans don't know. So you're 100% right. Those can be changed out. You could do Watching You. You could do... um, you know, uh, I stole your love firehouse. I yeah. stole your love. You could do almost human. If you wanted to get crazy, you could do a lot of things, <laughs> but my, my thing is you could spin the wheel and do almost anything in those slots. But here's the other big thing. And, and I'm, I'm, I hear this from so many artists privately about why they don't change the set list. It comes down to laziness. Yes. Oh, and, yes. And, and, and by that, I mean, when you got a set list dialed in of 15, 20 songs that you play every night, the band knows them, the crew knows them, the lighting cues are there, the stage crews are there. You want to call audibles on that stuff? Then you've got to rehearse it. You've got to learn it. You know how many bands I've talked to, even publicly or privately, and I've said, why don't you change more songs out? Like, dude, we don't want to rehearse. It, it, so, so it's laziness. It's movement of the set it's stuff you know if there's electronics going on it's changing the I electronics know. we we, yep. we, we talk about talked that. about that yep. so yeah. there's there's a lot more involved than just calling out a song if if you if you saw on that uh dubai deal a year ago yeah the one song that was spontaneously put in was strutter yeah right and you could see that was you know that was kind of like figuring it out as they went along. Yeah. But I thought it was really cool. It was the most real thing I had heard. Yeah. Yeah. And we did. And we, you're right. You're right. We talked about that. And we, we said that way back when the end of the road tour first started a few years ago. And we said that if bands, especially a band like kiss is so pre-programmed, so organized and orchestrated with the lights, the pyro, everything. And, and you're right. Changing a song, one or two or three songs is going to require, like you said, not just rehearsal, but all that pre-programming of the crew and the lighting and the pyro. And at this point right now, again, we love Kiss. We're doing a Kiss podcast. We're talking to you about Kiss. They just don't care enough, in our opinion. I don't don't want to accuse them of being lazy because I feel like that's a harsh word. But maybe for lack of a better word, maybe that's what it is. I think what happens... And, and this is the big difference between when I use Cheap Trick as an example. Cheap Trick's a band that doesn't have the big stage show. Cheap Trick's a 100% live, real band. They're going to go up there. They, they'll tell you themselves. They, they hardly ever rehearse. I've written, true story, I wrote Cheap Trick set list one night. I have it on my wall over there. And they wow. played it because they were like, 
we don't rehearse. We just go, we're like a bar band. We just go up and play. And that's the beauty of them. But they're not coming down on levitating platforms and timing fire and all that. So it's a different approach. But there is a side of it where, you know, I'm sure if if you were talking to Kiss about this, it's like, it's a well-oiled machine. We got it down. We know we're playing to the masses. We know what makes the majority of people happy. We know the songs. The crew knows the show. Everything's programmed. Everything's dialed in. We start at 8.05. We end at 11. It's to the second. We're not deviating. That's that. And I'm sure that's the thought process on it. I think the real question is, you know, if they ever truly do end, you know, (laughs) what do they do there? Because I think the ultimate disappointment would be if the final, final show, when that ever is, and if you believe that ever is going to be the case, uh, which I don't, by the way, but if you do believe that it is, then what is that? Because I think that would be a real shame if it's just the last show of what they've been doing the last three years. It's the same thing. It's funny you say that. So we're, this is season four for us. When we started our show, we did prediction for the end of the road tour, what the set list was going to be. I think that was our third show. It's still going with another year or year and a half to go. And we're in season four. It's tiring, but I think it goes back to who's controlling this. And, you know, let's be honest. This is Paul, in my opinion. It's not Gene. because 100%. Yeah, because we just had the, the talisman on Gene's band last week. And to hear them talk of what it's like to play with Gene. Hey, oh, Gene, yeah. how about this? How about this? Mm, okay. And then, like, screwing up on stage, playing some songs, but having fun with this backup band. Hey, how's that song go? And, like, messing up some lyrics here and there. That's not Gene. And I know Tommy and Eric. They're, they're professionals. They can pick up anything, and I'm sure they can learn any song. I think Paul still has those flashbacks or feelings of what he had on the end of the, the um, reunion, the last of the, uh, the farewell tour, and he's like, I'm not going through that shit again. This is the set list. This is when I go out and do Love Gun and fly over the crowd. This is when I do this for I Was Made For Loving You. That's it. And it's a shame because the rest of the band – I think can do something different, but I mean, I mean, that's what it no, is. Make no doubt about it. I I've said this, I've heard this repeatedly from so many people on the inside as well, that really for the last 15 to 20 years, Paul Stanley runs kiss and mm-hmm. anybody no that thinks differently is kidding themselves. Yep. And Gene of course is an equal partner, but Gene knows that. And I was told that what happened was, number of years ago when it was winding down and they really thought it was going to be over that Gene basically deferred the decision-making and let, let Paul be the boss because it was Gene wanted to keep doing it and it pacified his ego and kept him engaged. So they like, you know, Hey, you're the front man. You do it. We'll march to your orders. Let's go. Let's just keep doing it. And that's how it's been, but no, make no mistake. I mean, again, equal equals, no doubt. But Paul calls the shots. Paul is the band. Gene is the brand. You put those two out. They run their own shit. And Gene just says, hey, I'm going to do this, this. And Paul just says, okay. And but then Paul says, this is where we're touring. This is the set list. This is where I want you to be. And this is the shows we'll go on to perform. And I think Gene just says, no problem, Paul. Whatever you want, Paul. And now they're both painters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Except now watch that rivalry go as soon as I'd love tells- to see the I'd love to see the day that memo came in on Paul's radar. Can you imagine? I know we would painting. 
So let's 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 shift gears a little bit away from the set list in the band itself a little bit, and let's talk about a huge event from last summer. Um, we had been talking to you a little bit about it back and finally we're happy on it. What, 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 what were your thoughts on that? I think so, he's talking yeah, about the biography. You will break, break up. up. Yeah. All right, I think me, he's me, asking you about, so go ahead. You want to ask him? Yeah. Let me, let me start I'll over. I'll delete so, all that. Yeah. yeah sorry. I broke up a little bit. Um, so a big event from last year, um, you know, that we wanted to try to have you on, uh, you know, time got away from us. We're grateful to have you on now. That was the, the two part A and E biography special. Very, very, very in-depth. Um, give us some of your general thoughts on that, what you thought. I, I, we thought it was very, very well-made. It was what we expected, um, but we thought it was very well-made. There was a lot of things that weren't in it that we wish were. Uh, but what was your general thoughts on that? We, we have a couple other questions, but generally speaking, what did you think when you saw that? Was it what you expected? Pretty much what I expected. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. I liked it. I had one huge problem with it, though, that I was just stunned that that the way it went. And I had the director on my radio show. and We talked about a lot of it. Yes. But I was shocked that it jumped from Destroyer to Dynasty. Yep. I was utterly shocked that they did not even put up the record jackets for Rock and Roll Over, Love yes. Gun, Alive 2, and you're talking the height of Kiss hysteria. That and was shocking. It was completely left out, and I couldn't believe that. Like, I, it seemed like the tone was okay. Let's get right to the band breaking, a live destroyer, and then let's just get right to the unraveling. And and I understand that you have time restrictions because here's a big mistake a lot of people made with that. Everyone kept saying. It's a four-hour doc. It's a four-hour doc. It's not. It was a three-hour documentary because in TV time, yep, two nice. hours is an hour and a half. So it was three hours in content. And even with three hours, I mean, the Kiss story probably could have used a little more time to be told. And I told the director, DJ, I really hope that there's some director's cut down the line that truly is four hours and restores a lot of the things that you guys had to cut out. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Of course, it would have been great if Ace and Peter would have been involved. I understand them not. But here's the thing about that, because I saw about three different cuts. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I was stunned that they sourced my audio and put my name on the screen. I couldn't believe yeah. that. <laughs> nice. I, was, I, was, I was flattered, but stunned, because I had no idea if that was going to happen, by the way. Yeah. Um, but but the other thing was, but the thing that nobody saw, unless they saw the the cut that they showed at the uh, premiere, which was was that the Tribeca the, event, the was Tribeca that? cut. Yeah, so, we heard about it. Yeah. So they sent a cut out to press, which is what I got. Mm -hmm. I got an advanced screener, and then that was the same cut that showed a Tribeca. And the most astonishing thing that was cut out of that was, and I don't even know how many fans realize this. If you notice when they talked about Beth, mm -hmm. they didn't ever actually play the song, Beth. Yes. The audio drops out. Or there's a ver of something playing that sounds like orchestrated music that sounds like Beth, but isn't. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I would have never have realized that that wasn't Beth in those in that 20 second music bed. In the original cut of that documentary, there is a cutaway to Gene and Paul in that shot of them sitting on the sofa. And they said Gene and Paul lay out Peter to the camera because he would not allow them to use Beth. We heard about it. We didn't see it, though. Yes. I saw it. I almost fell off my sofa. They cut right away. There's Gene and Paul now. They call Peter a petulant child. They think he's hurting the fans. He's only hurting himself. He behaves like a child who didn't get his favorite ice cream. They lay him out. And here's the thing. If, If they didn't do that, I would have never even realized that Beth wasn't actually playing. Right. So they made a point of laying them out. And here's the other shocking thing. I had no idea Peter controlled Beth to that degree that he could stop them. Right. And what I found out is that for because Peter is one of three writers on that song. Yeah. But he does have uh, control of the master of that. And that was his line in the sand. That was the one thing he could prevent them to do from doing. And obviously they didn't like it. So I talked about that because it was stunning. And it was also, if I'm being honest, it was one of the most real, it was seeing Gene and Paul as real as real got, because that's really, that was real. That was raw. And I talked about it on the air during my radio show and saying, guys, wait until you see this. Then it airs on A&E and that's not there. And I'm like, now I'm going to look like an asshole and people are going to say, oh, he's just trying to stir shit. <laughs> so I had the director on and and he confirmed that the scene was there. Anybody that saw the early cut saw the scene like me. And he said it was removed because of time constraints and also mm. context. No, he admitted it was context. He admitted that it was just pulling away and calling attention. It just wasn't needed. So they chopped it at the last second. But the fact that Peter blocked them from using it and could block them from using it and the fact that they responded like they did, I thought was like, wow, that was amazing. Outside of that, I thought it was great. There was a lot of things cut out. I mean, there were a lot, you know, there were a lot of people interviewed for that. And the narrative that they were all told was that we want this to be 100% real, like we want you to speak exactly how you feel about Kiss and what we're asking you about. We don't want you to sugarcoat it. Well, the guy who did all those interviews and was originally producing it was not was let go. He didn't finish the project. Oh, boy. And all of those interviews were scrapped. So the, wow. this went through a process. And uh, I know this because that guy who was removed from the project was in touch with me throughout, not to interview me because they knew they weren't going to, that Gene and Paul wouldn't allow that, but he, he was, he was on me to talk ACE into doing it. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to the guy a lot. And then, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was, he either quit or was let go. And then somebody came in and finished it off and they had to go in and reshoot some stuff because when they got these very honest clips Needless to say, the band said, no, 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 we don't, we're not doing that. A little too um, honest. I, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, they didn't want, I mean, and that's by the way, why Ace refused to do it because he knew that Gina Paul would control the narrative. 
And yeah. the, 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 the thing that the previous director kept enforcing to everybody was they would not control the narrative. We have complete control. And Ace is like, that is never going to happen. And he was right because they cut that guy and they brought another guy in. All of that to say it was entertaining. I thought it was well done. I enjoyed the hell out of it. My only criticism was that big gap there and that in the height of Kiss Insanity. And uh, I would have loved, I would have loved more, you know, I would have loved more yeah. from it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been great if they could have talked to Vinny. It would have been great if they could have done like a real comprehensive thing. I would have loved more on the eighties. There was so much more I would have loved, mm. but maybe a director's cut one day. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of parts that when I mean, we did a, our our show we did two episodes they were longer than the documentary <laughs> we did that we was, did about we did we did about two hours on each part of the bio <laughs> everybody was joking they said yeah you guys you, your your uh, your recap of the biography was longer than the biography <laughs> itself but that's what we do we pick apart everything so. so yeah it was there was a lot of things in there that I'm like I thought from for at least what Paul wanted to show it was like the nicest the most restrained he was about talking about his issues with Peter. I thought he used words like, uh, you know, Peter makes it hard to love him sometimes. Mm. And like, ah, uh, you know, we're telling you, you can make a million dollars. I don't want a million dollars. I want to make what you make. And he didn't go, he didn't go for the kill, at least on that. There was some other stuff that it's like, you know, the same analogy, but the flat tires, it gets tiring. Uh, we told these guys the drinking and the drugs and all that other stuff that he they bring up. It's just the same old record over and over again. But there I was mean, a, a lot of that kind of stuff that at least I thought maybe they're healing something because Paul can publicly now not be as much of an asshole to Peter. But I mean, I say it all the time. He just can't help himself. He'll write books about how people should be nice to each other, how you should learn to love and grow as a person. Except for Peter Chris, he sucks. Him and his <laughs> wife are miserable fucking asshole. And you're like, Jesus Christ, what did I yeah. just read in your book? <laughs> I mean, look, if you could have seen the cut of the cutaway of them laying him out, then you yeah. you would have been like, yeah, I, you, it was stunning. But, I, you know, I, I talked to Ace about it since it aired, and Ace told me he has not watched it and he hasn't seen it, and I believe yeah. him. But I told Ace, I said, you know, I think you actually came out pretty good in it. I said, yeah. you, you, you know, you came out pretty well and i said the other thing about it i was shocked that this was in which jumped out at me when ezrin said sure ace was yes ace was get ace felt ganged up on and you know what he was right he did feel ganged up on yeah he, he was he was ganged up on ezrin goes he was and then ezrin says ace is the most rock and roll guy in kiss yep well, those two things jumped out at me. It's like it kind of affirmed what Ace has been saying all along. And for them to leave that in of saying that Ace is the most rock and roll guy in Kiss, that was I thought that was a pretty, pretty bold thing to do. So, yeah, there were a few things in there. I mean, that they let that they let in there that I was like happy to see. And overall, I enjoyed it. But I just think, look, I think if, if it was a true, truly a four hour documentary, like four hours of content that extra hour of content, we probably could have gotten more on these things that we would have loved to see. Yeah. And another, another documentary that, that Zeus and I talked about, we watched, we did an episode on it because we talk about everything that kiss has ever done. And it was a, 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 a shorter documentary that you were featured prominently in 
And that's the series on reels, the, the breaking the band yes. documentary on kiss that you were featured in prominently, which was nice to see. And, you know, they have nothing to do with that. <laughs> well, that I was just going to say that, yeah. that, and that, and that's exactly, <laughs> which is why I thought breaking the band was really interesting. I mean, obviously the focus of those doc of that series is the breaking of the band. It's, it's not a, it's not a biography like the, like the A and E one. Um, but tell us, tell us a little bit about about that and how you got involved with that. And and you know, were there things in that that you wish you had the opportunity to maybe cover in the A and E biography, if 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 you know you were part of that, which you should have been. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, God, I would have loved to have talked about a lot of stuff if they if I if I you know, was in, involved in the A&E doc, but I wasn't in any way beyond, like I said, that director asking me to talk Ace into doing it. And I yep. talked to Ace about it and Ace told me his reasons. And I explained to that director that I have nothing to do with Ace professionally. I just relayed the message and what have you. So, um, the, but the, the, uh, A&E thing, or I'm sorry, the reels thing, breaking the band. I, now it's been a little while since I saw that and the, the stuff I shot for it was probably now a couple of years ago. Cause there's a delay mm-hmm. from when they do it maybe a yeah. year and a half ago, but I've done like five of those. Like I did Van yeah. Halen, mm-hmm. I did Aerosmith. I've done about four or five of them that I've, I've been in. Uh, they're produced by British production companies. And the, my involvement in them is just that they, these companies know me as a, you know, a rock guy here in America and a, well-known guy in this world and they just reach out to me and ask me if I'll sit for interviews and I don't have any idea of what the end product's going to be or what is in it or how it's structured. I'm just a talking head that they, honestly, the thing that's frustrating about those things is they will interview you for like two hours to use 20 seconds, but (laughs) that's how they all work pretty much. But um, some of them are well done. Some of them, not so much, but the, the, the thing that is, the the most important thing that I'm sure fans have figured out is on every one of them, almost every one of them, the artists themselves are not involved in any way. So they are completely unauthorized. And I think it's one of the reasons why they're all British companies that produce them because there may be some loophole in clearing the music or clearing footage or what have you. So there's some, and that's all way above my pay grade, but I know that there's, ways you can do this stuff creatively without getting clearances and paying the freight on publishing. And the artists just don't cooperate with them and don't participate in them. But the production companies and Reels' position is, well, we ask if they don't want to do it, we're going to find a way to do it without them. Mm. So what you get sometimes is some real good ones. And sometimes you get ones that, if I'm being honest, are not so good. But I don't have anything to do with them beyond uh, being interviewed for them. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the Kiss one because I don't. I, I mean, I know it aired, but I maybe saw it once, and I don't even remember what I said in it or how much I was in it. Because again, for me, they're talking to me for two hours, and then they just take what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you missed out on the uh, classic reenactors. Oh that my played God. the band, and all of a sudden, <laughs> and you got like a roided up Gene Simmons. They show him fighting with Ace coming in. Like pushing him and like that's not how the band worked. That you know so the, the, re, the the reenactment actors is some of the most unintentional comedy because the documentary itself, your your interview and some of the other people, it's 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 very good. 
But but because of what the clearance issues that you mentioned, they have to get you know, it's like an, it's like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. They have these guys dressed as kids trying oh, to I behave. Like, oh, it's hilarious. I'm telling you guys, um, I'm shaking my head for people watching because I'm fully in agreement with you. And I've told the network. And again, I don't work for the network. Yeah, I'm happy they right, include me in right, this stuff. Right. But they def- they asked me my thoughts. And I do. I actually am working on a series of documentaries with a documentary producer unrelated to this that yeah. will be on that channel. Oh, so cool. I, I do I do some stuff with them and I'm grateful for the opportunity. But I've told those guys at the, that network repeatedly, kill the reenactments. <laughs> They're not needed. They're not needed. No. Like, there's plenty of other stuff you can cover. It It just adds this, all of them, to, to the yeah. kiss one to all of them. It, it, it brings this layer of cheese yeah. that you don't oh. need. So, so and bad. the other thing, quite honestly, since we're talking about it, the thing, the other part they have, they should kill, and nothing against her personally, but the psychiatrist is like, yes. oh yes, yes, <laughs> and Terrible. she's in every one, and it's like, you know, you didn't treat these people; they weren't in your chair. How can you like <laughs> what? Like, yes, it so, makes it so cheesy. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's just those things. Like, there's so you you got plenty of coverage for the story where you don't have to cut to that stuff. But again, I guess that's why I'm not a producer on it. But I, I'm happy to be a part of them. But I do feel that there can be things that could be different. Oh, yeah. Um, one other thing that's new in the KISS world is these, uh, I don't, <laughs> things that are coming off. And I don't think they're, they're not going off uh, as well as I think KISS want to do. And these are this new off the soundboard releases. Yeah. Did you see what the new one is? Well, uh, the previous one I listened to because I found it really interesting because it's that extremely rare period. There was that extremely rare time of Ace and Eric Singer. Yes. So I, I listened to that one because I was real curious about that, hearing how they played together, because I didn't even realize, uh, and bad Kiss fan I am, but I didn't realize that there was a time where Ace played like I Still Love You live and... Uh, something else from that era live. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I had no idea Ace ever played that live ever. So I was real curious in that one just because of that particular lineup. But the new one is like, what is it? 90. It's the kiss rocks Vegas. It's the, no, it's our, it's rock. No, it's rock. The nation. It's from 2014. Rock the nation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's from the, it's from the, the 2014 rock. The nation tour. The DVD. Oh, I thought it was Virginia or something. It is. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I'm sorry. It's, it's 2004. Forgive me. It's the, it's the rock that it's, is it 2014 or 2004? It's the rock, the nation tour, Virginia beach. It's that concert. Yeah. It's now so, on CD. So is that the thing that that was out on DVD and Blu-ray? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so I have that in the other room. So what you're saying is they just pulled the audio track from that. That's correct. That's correct. So when they posted it on their social media, a bunch of our friends and fans and listeners were saying, wait, you mean the thing that you already released on video is now they now now it's now it's the audio version of it pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't. Yeah, it's this. And that's it, that's that's uh, Eric Tommy lineup, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know what the point of that would be. Um, I don't understand and I never understood. And unfortunately, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and things like that are becoming somewhat rare because it's we're in a streaming world but for the people that still do put out dvds and blu-rays i never understood why they just didn't throw an audio disc on cd of Mm -hmm. the audio track in every package it costs like 
probably 10 cents for the disc, pull the audio off, put it in there. So if you want to drive in your car and you can listen to it on your stereo, but uh, it sounds like Kiss found a way to remarket it. Of course, leave it to them, you know, almost 20 years later and get another swing at it. But yeah, I wouldn't have much interest in that. Yeah, and the and the report is that they're supposed to be this off the this off the soundboard is supposed to be a series where we've heard rumors that they're going to be releasing them quarterly to try to throw out shows and concerts and probably try to compete with some of the bootleggers out there. But so far, as far as Zeus and I are concerned, as far as you know, some of our listeners are concerned, they're zero for two. I mean, the first one was kind of interesting, like you say, because it had Ace playing with with Eric, but this one is just the current lineup. Why is it unique? Like what's the point of this coming out? Why would you not release something from the asylum tour with, with Eric Carr or or something from, you know, revenge or something, Tom, great point. Because this is where a segue I wanted to get into. Go ahead. I've tried to ask a few people this. Is there something going on with the Carr family that they can't do things like that? Because every time we do a list and things like that, I'll say what, you know, a wish list or something like that. I'll always be like, I always wish that they released more Eric stuff or at least even, you know, the 79 post dynasty through 82 creatures, the night makeup era with Eric and stuff or unmasked stuff, or even the unmasked t-shirt that they release where the drummer who looks like Eric Carr has no makeup. It's all blacked out. Like what's going on there. Is there a makeup or a licensing issue with Eric? And that's why they're not putting out Eric car kiss material or uncensored animalized uncensored out who everybody loves but never got released as an album and this just seems to be that there's something there that uh you know maybe they need to get permission and they're not getting it you know that's a good question i honestly don't know the answer to that i don't believe i and i'd be shocked if uh gene and paul didn't have complete ownership and control of everything that Eric Carr did. I would think that in the initial contract that was probably signed over. So I'd be shocked if they needed to go get any sort of clearance or permission on that, but I don't know. I mean, it's possible that there's some reversion to the family and they have some control. I don't know. What's going to be real interesting though is, and I was interviewed for this, there is an Eric Carr documentary coming. That's right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that's coming soon. I mean, that's, um, they they interviewed me for it, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and mm-hmm. his family is fully involved in that and is fully on board. And I don't know who else they talked to for it, but I know that the director was, um, I think his name is Jack Sawyers. Uh, he was oh, the guy, he's the one who did the Eric Carr story. But he also, I believe, worked on Kiss Exposed and those home videos back in the day. Okay, yes. He's written so, to us a couple times, Tom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so... I spoke to him, uh, it seems like a pro in his experience and uh, came to my house, interviewed me. I know, and I was approached to be in it by Eric's sister, Loretta, yeah, mm-hmm. and asked me if I would do it. So when she asked me, I mean, that's family. And of course I said, yes. And I loved Eric Carr to death and I knew him and he was a friend and I miss him every day still. So I was honored to be asked to be in it. I can't wait to see it. But I do not believe that Gene and Paul will be in that. And I don't think that they, I don't know if they declined or were asked or what, but there's definitely, and look, I I think it dates back to the, you know, when Eric died and the controversy about how they handled it. So I think it goes all the way back to that. And uh, I think there's probably some, still some, some rawness there and some, some bad feelings. And um, 
you know, beyond that, I can't really speak on it because I'm not really sure where it all stands, but it definitely feels that way. I mean, Eric, Eric Cart, I think a lot of people know this. Eric did not speak to Paul Stanley the entire Hot in the Shade tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we heard and, amazing. And if you, if you look at, I recently came across this footage on YouTube. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was supposed to be, I, I'm told, for Kiss Exposed 2. Mm. And it's labeled as that on YouTube, as Kiss Exposed 2 outtakes. And it's the first date of the Hot in the Shade tour. It's a single camera. It's four hours of fly-on-the-wall footage. Wow. Sound check, dressing room, yep, hallway, yep, yep, backstage. I've watched it all. It's If you're hardcore like we are, it's fascinating. I've seen it, yep. And the other thing that's fat, but the biggest thing that's fascinating about it, and I knew Eric very well at that time, is it is you can feel the tension between him and especially Paul from the get-go of that tour. Like, here's the camera, and, th- and there's Eric clowning around in his dressing room. Paul mm-hmm. walks in, mm. like, like, boom. Like, there is, I mean, it's, it's brutal. And uh, that went on for that whole tour. And so, so, you know, there was already an issue going on there at that point. And then, obviously, you know, the way his death was or wasn't handled by them has been up for a lot of debate and discussion. And I just don't know if 30 years later that might still be kind of resonating and maybe the family feels a certain way about they ha- how they represent his legacy. I don't know. I don't, and I don't know if they exercise control. I'm not sure how that, how that uh, deal is set up. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So before we, before we kind of wrap it up and again, we we're so grateful for your time. We could talk, you know, all night about all this stuff. I have one more kiss related question. I know Zeus had kind of something non kiss related <laughs> that he kind of wanted to chime in. So you hear you hear Paul and Gene, primarily Paul, talking about the prospects of the band continuing on after they retire and hang it up. Kiss 2.0, if you want to call it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. That's where I would kind of draw the line. You know, I know some people are not thrilled, um, you know, Eddie, I'll, I know you're not you're not thrilled with with Eric wearing the Catman and Tommy wearing the Spaceman, and a lot of people aren't. I I can tolerate that. I don't have a problem with it. Paul and Gene is still in the band, but if you did kiss 2.0, quote unquote, with the band carrying on and becoming like Marvel or Disney or whatever, I just don't see how that is a viable thing. But there are diehards out there that will never stop loving the band. Where do you stand on that? Is that viable? Is that something that would that could and should happen with a band like Kiss because they are so unique? I think it absolutely will happen. I I know for a fact they were toying with doing it initially after the farewell tour originally 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was working at VH1 at the time. There was talk of a reality show to cast the replacements. So this has been talked about for 20 years. Yeah. It's not talked about now because they're trying to sell tickets to a tour they're still doing. Right. So it doesn't serve ticket sales marketing narrative to be saying, by the way, we have another thing coming for you when you're trying to sell a show now, which again, if you're talking honestly, let's be honest, they had a hard time selling tickets the last leg of that tour before COVID. They were playing at curtained arenas, half houses. So 
they they don't need to do anything to deflect from what they're doing now, which is why you don't hear them talk about it really anymore. But to answer your question, I absolutely think that it will happen. And you know what? And people would probably be surprised to say this, to hear this from me. I actually would we would probably be more receptive and open to it to that than I am to this. Really? Be- yes, because that will be in and of itself then a fully sanctioned KISS tribute. Okay. That's really what that is. What, to, in my view, what they sell you now is half a tribute and half the real band. So it's this clouded, weird, murky thing. Whereas if it's all four guys and it's transparent, and this is a sanctioned KISS tribute with Gene and Paul behind it, I personally, as a fan, although I admit, obviously, no, it's not KISS, I'd be more open to seeing it than I am to seeing this. And uh, Interesting. Here's, the okay. lot, here's the other part about it. There's a million bands out there that are playing with one original member or oh, yeah. in the case of a band like Foreigner, Not like- most of the last 20 years, the bulk of the show's no original members. Right. Kiss, uh, who, are, who have now in the last 20 years repositioned themselves as a brand versus a band, again, with all of this in mind, uh, I, I think that it, I mean, the way they're built and the way they've been marketing is, is all in line towards that. Mm. So, and, and the last thing you said about the draw, Tom, so you're going to have, you're going to have, sure. You're going to lose people on that, but you're going to have the hardcore hardcores that you and I both know will accept anything they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Gene and Paul say to that super hardcore, super fan, this is the new kiss. You should be on board with it. They're there. You know they're there. But the bigger audience to me that would go to see that is the complete opposite. The super casual fan. The fan that goes to see Kiss now to see makeup, bombs, fireworks, and hear rock and roll all night. Those people won't know any difference. They don't care. There's the four faces. If it's a big show and they're told it's a night out with a couple of beers and some friends and see this spectacle, they're there. So to me, the biggest percentage of the draw comes from the casual rock fan that wants to see the spectacle kiss and knows a few songs and never cared who was or wasn't in the band. That, to me, is who they'll play to. I believe it will absolutely happen. My my take on how this ends, if you think it's going to end, is they'll, they'll run this thing for another year or two that they can do it in, until the dr- the draw totally dries up. Then they'll do a last, last show somewhere. Then they'll say, well, we ceased touring, we're in but Vegas. we never said we're not going to play. Right. So there comes Vegas again or some residency. So they'll do that a little bit, maybe the sporadic festival, whatever, and then transition into this. What I what I would see as a sanctioned kiss tribute. So that's the lineage yeah. I see. And here's okay. one thing. And I'll ask you guys this because I'm curious. Because I have a very I've talked about this on my show. I have a very distinct feeling. Like, how do you think? What would you, each of you, like to see if there really was a final, final announced show? Where would? How would you like to see it go down? I've said this many times. Zeus has his plan already. (laughs) I've had this for a while. So I think they're going to do something like, um, 
like the band had their history where they came up, different artists came out, played different songs with them. So I think they play, they start off with the, the four that are out there now. They do their thing. And then the other guys go off and out comes Ace first, plays a couple songs with them. Then out comes Peter. And then the other guys come back on without makeup. And Bruce comes on and they're all playing together. I think that's the way you can do it. Because then when Ace comes on, Tommy's off without the makeup. So Ace is only going to rehearse a few songs with the band. So Paul won't get his panties in a bunch. Peter is only going to play maybe a couple songs, maybe not even on the drums. And the other guys are off. And when they do come back off on Tommy and Eric, they're not wearing makeup. Only Ace and Peter are wearing the makeup with the original two. I'm with Gene and Paul. So therefore, there's no, hey, wait a minute, you can't have two spacemen up there. Therefore, there's no overlap. And that way, everyone's ego is fine. Paul doesn't have to worry about, Jesus, I don't know if Ace can carry a whole set or Peter can do it all. They don't have to. You don't have to worry about that. That's the only way I think they can do it. And then, you you know, you make it kind of like a fun festival. Brett, uh, Bruce gets up there. I doubt they'll invite Vinny, but who knows? The only so is that can- what you, is that, so wait, hold on, Tom. So Zeus, is that what you, is that what you think is going to happen or is that what you want to happen? Um, what I would want to happen is the whole band plays together with Eric and, and Tommy non-makeup, but the other two in makeup. But they won't okay. do a whole, like Ace and Peter will not, I don't believe will ever do a whole set with Kiss again. I, don't, I right. just don't think they'll, Paul will allow it. So, Tom, what do you think is going to happen and what do you want to happen? I, what I want to happen is pretty much similar to, to Zeus's thing. Have Ace come out as the spaceman, have Peter come out as the cat man, maybe sit on the stool, do Beth like from, you know, like from the Love Gun tour. Uh, have the guy have, have the guys come out, maybe play a song or two or something. What I think is going to happen. I hate to say this because I want to be wrong. <laughs> I really don't think they're going to do anything. I agree a hundred percent. No, I don't. No. Um, I don't. I, 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 in my heart of hearts, you said it, Eddie. And I think everybody needs to brace themselves for it. I think the final show is going to be the final show. Yeah. I think that, okay. So I think the final show, they'll make a deal out of it. Don't get me wrong. The final show is in Madison square garden. Here's the date, the final kiss show, all, but they're going to say, well, you know, they're not going to say anything that's going to happen that may or may not happen. Right. And it will end up just being a show, maybe some extra video presentation, something like that. But I, yeah, I, I believe I agree with you. And again, I hope I'm wrong but I think it'll just be a show Yep. Um, just marked as the final show. Yep. What I think should happen. And this is a word that kiss does not like free. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. A free show. Central park. Oh yeah. My mind was on that too. I agree with you because they can market that and still make money afterwards by selling you. So, so, Here's my logic. And I've been saying this for a while. Kiss has given you that line for decades. The fans are the boss. We're nothing without the fans. (laughs) All of us, present self-included, have donated to their pockets over the decades. The last show, make it the ultimate give back. Anywhere you are, anywhere in the world, 
no ticket needed. Come and join us for this ultimate kiss celebration. Now you say, well, how are they going to offset the expenses of that? It costs money to put the show on. Can you imagine the merch numbers you'll do with a final show merchandise and that amount of people in there who didn't pay for a ticket and are going to spend that money buying your merch? So the offset would be huge right there. Mm -hmm. The amount of people you play to would be huge. And then as far as, as far as, uh, you know, what the band would be, I mean, look, this is a pipe dream, but I would love for it to be some sort of chronological presentation of the band. Mm. So in other words, if it opens with, and even if it's three, four songs, original four, makeup, dress like they were at Coventry or something like that. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm thinking nice. I'm thinking in mind of like, I don't know if you guys saw the last Rush tour, but I nobody, did. nobody ended better, more classy than Rush, in my mm-hmm. opinion. They didn't even play it as a farewell. They just they just played it. Little nod, hey, this could be it. They played their history in reverse order. Sounded amazing. Three hours. Chronologically changed the set. They went, I mean, the the to the end, I don't know. At the end, they were playing in a high school gym is what the stage looked like, because that's how they started. Right. Like, that's really putting some thought into production and your history and paying tribute to your history. So incorporating all living members. So, you know, as much as it sucks, again, the fans are the boss. Suck it up with Vinny. Let him come out there and play Lick It Up for one song. It's not going to kill anyone. And then, you know, and, and again, Tommy and Eric should be represented and Bruce should certainly be represented. And there should be some sort of video representation of Eric Carr and Mark St. John. It should really be this commemorative thing. Uh, but I don't think any of that happens because and the reason why I agree with you about it's just going to be a show of these four guys is because I think it's going to get mucked up in the deal points mm. because we know. Ace, especially Ace and Peter, are not turning up if they are not offered, as Bill Ward said in his Sabbath renegotiations, a signable contract. And there's going to be a great disparity in Ace, uh, certainly Ace's mind, because I know I I talked to Ace, in what they probably are going to offer him to want to show up for a few songs versus what he's going to want. And then you're going to get into, well, okay, you're selling all this merch final show. Where's my cut on that? And that's where Ace, that's where Gene and Paul are like, you know what? Screw you guys. We're not doing it's it's gonna fall along, fall apart along the same lines that everything falls apart. Money, control, percentages. What are you doing with this when it's done? Oh, you're shooting it for a DVD. Where's my cut on that? Where's my back end? And that's where it unravels. So that's why I believe at the end of the day, it'll just be a show of these four guys, maybe with some different window dressing. I'd be shocked if we saw anybody else from the band. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I, that's what I think. And I want to be wrong. We all want to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. A, a couple last quick uh, hitters. I just want to bring up to you. Um, we talked about 2.0 real quick. Uh, we had Todd Curtin's on a couple weeks ago and I, we told him and I told him the way him in, in Zach throne play to me, I think if you're ever going to do a 2.0, I think to have legitimacy, you keep Eric and Tommy. Now they've got the connection to Gene and Paul and you put in a Todd and a Zach. Therefore, I think they add credibility. 
they have that kiss magic when they perform the yep. love like Todd is not he's channeling Paul, but he's not imitating Paul. Same thing with Zach. So I feel like those two guys would get an approval, not by all kiss fans, but by a lot of them. So if you incorporate them two, and then, you know, a couple of years later, maybe Eric falls off and a couple of years later, Tommy th- uh, falls off. That way you can kind of keep it going. I think Todd and Zach would give it some credibility. That's just my quick thing. I just want, I'm curious to hear what you think. Well, I love, again, Todd and Zach are two super close friends. I hang with them all the time in Vegas. They're buds. Mm-hmm. So I would love it for their, I'd love it for their sake. And I'd definitely be able to get into that show. If yeah. That was the case. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, 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 um, I, I, uh, okay. So I'm not so sure that Tommy and Eric stick around for that. I don't, I don't, okay. The little bit I know, I don't get the sense they want to be a part of that. Now, look, gigs a gig and depending upon where they are with, you know, what they want to do next in their life, who knows, but I got a feeling when this is done, I got a feeling they can see no matter how fans view it. I think they view themselves as being like more part of the, the real kiss, if you will, than what this is going to be. So I wouldn't be surprised if they step aside. I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy goes back into the role he had before he was in the band, where maybe he's working for Gene, kind of the curator and stuff. Curating it, telling him what to do. Here's how you play it. Here's how you act. I could see that. But um, Todd and Zach would be amazing. I'll tell you the most Paul Stanley sounding guy I ever heard in my life. And I just had him on my show is uh, Joe from Classic 78. Yeah. Oh, Joe McGinnis? If you hear that guy, do you hear their new record? I've heard some of it. People are yeah. raving about uh, it. Yeah. Um, what's his, um, our buddy Charlie sent us it. Uh, he emailed it to us before it came out. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie, yeah. Charlie's yeah, he in the it. band now. No, no, right, I know. Right, we right. know. That's why when he, we knew that a while back because he said, hey, listen to this and tell us what you think. I'm like, why are you sending us classic? He goes, because I'm in it. I'm like, yep. oh, shit. <laughs> this guy's voice. I mean, the Gene guy. I mean, Gene, too. But the Paul voice the guy, that this guy does is remarkable. Like, right down to the, to the lisp. <laughs> it's insane. So, yep. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. The, if you're looking for a guy that sounds exactly like Paul, a guy like that, if you're looking for a guy that you said channels Paul but does his own thing, Todd's unbelievable. That's what that's why yeah. I, I just I thought Todd, his stage, him and Zach, they Phenomenal. just there was Phenomenal. an essence about that band that was about as real as a kiss content I've ever seen. And the well, way they huge, had the crowd in. Oh my god. They're huge kiss fans. I mean, when we and go you to could dinners tell. and stuff, when we go to dinners and stuff in Vegas. I mean, me, uh, me, Zach, Todd, Brent, we just sit around and I mean, it's insane the deep r- realms of kiss ridiculousness. You, gotta do some, you guys awesome. got to do some kiss drafts together, like we do. <laughs> it's insane. So yeah, that they're they're going to know how to to deliver it because they're such big fans themselves. All right, last thing I want to leave you with is uh, by the time go. this episode this episode come out on Saturday, but last on on last Saturday we taped uh, an episode. We do an it's something called the album review crew. We got to get, we do kiss all the time. So we got to get some of our other rock stuff out. So we do an episode once a month where we break down an album of any band. Okay. So uh, we did 
Sebastian's Skid Row's Slave to the Grind this month than we did on Saturday. And we brought on our buddy Jericho to jump in on with us. <laughs> what? <laughs> Three and a half hours of talking to Slave to the Grind with Jericho. <laughs> now, I thought there'd be a little bit of controversy in there. He fucking loves that album. And he was just full of compliments on Sebastian's vocals and his performance and him as a rock star. I hope those two kind of patch things up. But wow, was that fucking fun. Well, that that's I got to go back and listen to that. And uh, that I mean, the Skid Row guys are uh, buddies. My God, being Jersey guys. I I was going to say that Jersey Jersey connection. I mean, I knew them before they were signed. Yep. I knew them. I knew them before Sebastian was in the band. Yeah, they mm-hmm. had a singer before him, and I used to go see them all the time in the clubs with him. I remember how the world changed when Sebastian showed up as the new yep. singer, and how how huge that was. And um, you know, I remain friends with all that entire camp, all sides of it. I mean, Sebastian is probably the most loyal listener of my radio show. I have he listens every day, and we went to dinner, and then we went to that show because he now lives in Vegas. And um, the Skid Row guys, I just saw last weekend because I hosted a festival in Key West that they played. Yeah, we saw some of those videos that you shared. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was great seeing them. And I mean, unfortunately, uh, that's you know that's all a right. Situation. Ace and Peter coming back or Bass with Skid Row? What's more likely to happen? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> You mean in a full-time capacity? A, a concert. Even a one-off. In a one-off? I think as a one-off, Ace popping up with Kiss is more likely. Wow. I think as a full-time, like, we're back, here's yeah, a reunion yeah. tour for you, Skid Row with Sebastian. Okay. Yeah, I hope they wow. make it up because that uh, that album really bridged the gap and changed things. I um. I walked into my freshman year in college to meet this guy. First day in there, I blast my my surrounds. I had the, you know the speaker system. You had the CD player. You had the turntable. You had everything. So I blast Monkey Business. My first day in college, September nineteen ninety one, and that memory stuck with me. That album, boy, was that fuck. When that came out, what a I thought it was a game changer. So so I have so many Skid Row stories. Like I said, having grown up with those guys and. Uh, when you talk about monkey business, I remember uh, being in, they were opening for Aerosmith, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was backstage and Snake calls me into the tuning room and he goes, come here, I want to play you something. And he played me that little intro piece, the open of monkey dun, dun, business, dun. Yeah, yeah. that little part. And I go, what's that? And he goes, that's a new, oh, I just hit my camera. He goes, that's a new song um, I'm working on for the next record. He's like, what do you think? I go, it sounds cool. And he went into the riff part and all that. I was like, yeah. And, Here's the thing, though, about Skid Row that they don't get enough credit for. They're the one band from that era that got heavier with every record. So, yeah, I actually I I actually referenced your love for subhuman race during our episode (laughs) on Slave of the Grind. So if you think about it, first record, millions of copies, two or three huge songs and. Most bands, especially 89, 90, 91, are going to answer that by making a softer, fluffier, more produced, more commercial record to capitalize on all that radio. They went the other way. Mm -hmm. And then Subhuman Race, which tragically most people don't know that record, 
it's the last one with the original band yeah. is actually my favorite Skid Row record. There was no hit on it, but it is an insanely heavy record. And I listen to it every day. Still, like it just came out all three records. I love, but I actually probably love, I'm probably the lunatic that actually loves the three in reverse order in terms of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they're phenomenal songs. They're great players. They still all are. Look, those Snake and Snake and Scotty are two unbelievably underrated guitar players. Rachel's mm-hmm. super underrated bass player and, and songwriter. And uh Baz, I mean, I saw him do Slave to the Grind twice recently yep. for the anniversary. I don't know how like that bar was set here vocally on that record. I don't know any other singer that 30 years later could still sing that stuff. Mm. Like most people are going to be like, I got to tune down. I got to do this. I got to do that. The guys in his band are good friends. His guitar player, Brent Woods is one of my, my best friends. He won't let him tune down. He won't. He's super outspoken. Like I am against tracks. Um, so, I mean, that's remarkable that that guy mm. recorded those things 30 years ago as a 20, five-year-old kid and 30 years later he's still doing an original key nobody does that so it's they're super talented guys they're great people um you know i knew them when they were nobody i knew them when they were on top of the world i know them now they're still always been the same people to me and i love their records and uh you know i think it's great what they both do individually now but i'd be lying if i said i wasn't like every other fan that would love to see yeah. the original guys one more mm. time i mean of course everybody would all right well nice. i appreciate you shedding some light on that uh they're they're a favorite band of mine nostalgia act for me because of where i was in that time in my life and i just never forgot that album and our our listeners picked that for us so we're real do you to listen do. to subhuman races not as much as oh. i should <laughs> I got in. We both got into the grunge stuff. So do I have it? Yes. Did I put it on and like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But then other stuff was coming out and music was changing. So I yeah. never really went back to it. But because you're saying that, I will go back to it and I'll and I'll let you know if I change my mind and go three, two, one, because I do like Slave the Grind better than the debut. Yeah, I mean, I it's so hard for me because they're different records. So I don't know if I'm hardcore three, two, one, but I for, I just am, I've been on this campaign now for 28 years and counting to tell people how great subhuman is. I joked with those guys the other day, subhuman will be 30 years old in, um, in, uh, 2025. I said, that's the year I'm waiting for that record to be played in its entirety. And they jokingly say, yeah, you and three other people, will be in the audience. <laughs> yeah. but I'll be there for that. Nice. Awesome. Eddie, Eddie, thank you Eddie, so much. Eddie, this has been amazing. We we can't thank you enough. We could talk all night. We thank you so much for your time. Before we let you go, I just have to make a little comment about the t-shirt you're wearing and yeah. how it's very offensive to me and <laughs> Zeus. Okay. You mean yeah. the 18 and one shirt? That 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 is this? that that is that is really, really horrible. Oh, that's years the, ago. That's the second time no, the Giants beat the Pats. Uh, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's the second time they beat the Pats. So, <laughs> ten so years I, ago I, I, in I could, a few weeks. I couldn't help noticing every time you moved in your chair, I saw that <laughs> Giants helmet with the Super Bowl trophy. Killer. Well, Killer. well, here's the deal. If we're, if you want me to tell you honestly, so this was the only Super Bowl I ever went to in my life. Obviously, I'm a massive Giants fan. Yeah, we know. If you look we at know. Shirt, if you look at this shirt. 
this does not show you an outcome. No. This, I bought this prior to the game. Wow. Yeah. So this is just commemorative of the game. It doesn't yep. say who won because this was done before the game. Amazing. Um, and I actually don't have – I have the seat cushion from when I was at the game, but I actually don't have anything from when we actually won. Yeah. But that was the only time I ever went to a, uh, a Super Bowl in my life. Good for and you. And I will never forget that last – people forget that last pass into the end zone that Brady Classical. threw was oh. this close – Oh, oh, oh Brady. Oh, yeah. Brady threw. It was, yeah. it was almost a mm-hmm. heartbreaking last second loss for the Giants. Mm-hmm. And yep. look, when you consider how pathetic my football team is now, Tom, <laughs> let me have this, will you? Yeah. You can have it. <laughs> look, I, I will leave you with this. This is my 2004 Red Sox team. I don't know if you remember that team, what they did to your Yankees. But I'm, I'm a wearing, Mets fan. He's a, Mets, a Mets fan. fan. Yeah, Buckner, baby. Well, I don't Buckner. have it. Oh, here we go, Buckner. I'm thinking Buckner, of I'm Boone, thinking of Casada. Well, I'm wearing it in honor of David Ortiz getting into the Hall of Fame. But I got you. All right, you got us. I'm Mets all the way. I couldn't care less about the Yankees. You yeah. can shit all over them for all I care. How about your Rangers? Are you a Rangers fan? I grew up a Rangers fan, but I'm not really into hockey anymore. What about no, Devils? I don't really follow hockey like I used to. Okay. Uh, well, I was I a gotta... Nets fan. I was a Nets fan when they played in New Jersey. I still watch the Nets a little bit, but I, I lost. I, I don't watch hockey like I used to. For whatever, I don't have anything over on you with the Mets in the in the Giants. We don't have anything. We're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think of something. Eddie, this has been amazing. Thank you again so much. We had a blast talking all this, and especially thanks for the little extra uh, Skid Row conversation at the end, buddy. We appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Good to talk to you, and uh, hopefully, get to see you somewhere soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again, Thank Eddie. You, Eddie. Can you hold on one second? All right, sec- guys. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, we we touched on everything. We talked about Creatures Fest, Ace, Vinny, the biography, the tour, the set list. 2.0. Yep, two, 2.0. We actually then got a little bit of conversation at the end there about Skid Row and all that stuff, and, you know, because of the uh, album review crew episode. Just just great, great stuff from Eddie. Yeah, I, I, I again, we could just go on and on and on. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's at the point where, he has opinions on certain things. Um, I was disappointed to hear that he agrees with you that this isn't going to happen. The, the, I know. The, I know. Which means that he's had that conversation with Ace. He's not going to spell it out. But even he thinks that they're not going to hit that number. No. And and I honestly, because he didn't really answer that, but I honestly think a little bit of the problem is still is Peter. I don't care what my number is. What is your number? That's what I want. And Paul's going to go, get the fuck out of here. I'm giving you anything close to mine. But realistically, do you think they deserve a portion of merch when they're not in the band? Or do they get a flat fee? You're saying if if, if they're part of that final show? Yes. Yeah, of course they should get a portion of it because a majority of those people are going to that show just to see the reunion. Okay, but I'm saying like rather than a flat fee, like okay, we would have given you, you know, two hundred thousand for the show. So rather than dip into percentages and be tied with you for the next fucking twenty years, we'll give you double that. Okay, you might be right, but I'm going to back up a little bit. I think, I think this is where me and you disagree. I don't really think it has anything to do with money. I don't think Paul wants anything to do with it. 
I just I don't think I don't think he trusts him. I don't think he trusts him, and I don't think he wants. I think Paul at this point I, is like, I have done. I've gone through 45, 50 years of this shit. I'm agreed. at this point in my stage. I'm not. I've wrestled the band away from Gene. You think I'm going back to give my shit control and stuff to you two idiots? Yeah, Get the he, fuck he, out of here. No. Yeah, he's not doing it. The final show, maybe they'll do some kind of special event with uh, a, a big screen, a video or something. But he, Paul doesn't care. He doesn't care. I don't think uh, even if Ace and Peter did it for free, I don't even know if Paul would have them. Put it that way. Yeah, I think Paul would have to consider it. Well, I don't want them sabotaging my last supposed show. I don't know right. if Ace is going to fucking moon the crowd or come out and say Tommy Thayer is a fucking asshole on his shirt. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I mean, I don't think Ace would, but I'm just saying, like, I think Paul's like, I'm not dealing with that shit. Nope, I agree. So, I mean, we can leave this for a further conversation where we can do, uh, you know, what do we think is going to happen? Just a last, last show kind of a thing. Um, and that's great. And I do like the idea of, you know, starting off the show with the original four. They leave, they come back, they leave, they come back, and then maybe come back at the end again, and everybody does rock and roll all night or something like that. I don't know. But uh, there's a lot there to be discussed. There's a lot there to analyze and break down. And we're lucky to have Eddie back on again. And hopefully this will be a reoccurring uh, feature for us. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. And yeah, whenever that final show does come, I want to have Eddie on to kind of break it on down. So he, he, he was great. He was great. Yeah, we've come a long way from our bitching and shit about stuff uh, with him. Um, I, I mean, there's still stuff we disagree. I completely disagree with him about. Yes. Um, you know, it's, we've already had that discussion. You can listen to Eddie Trunk one about. You know, whether it's a big deal of new members versus old members, you know, when he talks about specifically, well, they're, you know, they're wearing the makeup. It's half of the band like that. But it's not like Kiss was a original foursome and they dropped out of sight with the original four. Then they came back with two new members. Right. Kiss continued with two new members several times over many, many years. So people were used to Kiss with re- a new drummer a new guitar player. So we were okay with that stuff. So I don't think it's the same thing to say, Oh, now they're half that it's not. I was, I, I was real. Yeah. I was really surprised by his take on kiss 2.0 and how he thought that was more viable for him than what they have now. Yeah. In, ter- yeah. in terms of a half of a cover band versus a real, I, that was kind of surprising. I mean, I, I even acknowledged it. I said it to him. I said, Eddie, I know you don't like Eric wearing the Catman and in Tommy wearing the Spaceman. I know yeah. you don't. And that that's OK. But um, it was a great conversation. You know, Eddie's honest and he comes right out. And we had a great conversation even after the recording ended. So, uh, you know, like you said, we've come a long way with our relationship with Eddie. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what we do next is question of the week. You got one. All right. Here's a fun one from longtime listener fan of the show. Graham Richley. Okay. He says, if Paul Stanley had chosen a different name instead of Paul, would Ace have simply been known as Paul Freely? And Paul, if- Paul Freely. So- <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that in, but go and, ahead. And if so, 
would Ace have seemed far less cool and spacey if he was just known as Paul Freely lead <laughs> yeah, guitar? Of course he would. Like Paul Freely. How you doing? It's me, Paul Freely. <laughs> hey guys, Stanley Eisen, Star Child. <laughs> it was Paul. I think, honestly, no, I think that's a funny and an interesting question, which is why I wanted to read it, because he's right. The name Ace just conjures up such a thing that if it was like it's so cool, like, it yeah, like you said, Paul Fraley. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Archibald Fraley. <laughs> like, come on. Ace. He's Ace. Right. It was Ace. It was Ace. Yeah, uh, the good question, but no, I, it, it, Ace gives him that that name adds to his coolness. Absolutely, no, it's a it's a it's a it's a great question, Graham, and and it was just something fun to talk about. You're right, the name gives him all that all that power. Tom, where can people find us? All right, our email shout it out loudcast at gmail dot com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail dot com. Please send all your emails, comments, feedback, questions. We do our best to try to read them all during the show, but Sometimes we don't, or sometimes you don't want us to, but rest assured, we're reading every email that comes into our inbox. So please keep them coming. Uh, And of course, our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, send us those direct messages on all those, very active. Tag us, comment. Um, If you see something in your daily life affairs that remind you of Kiss, take a picture of it or comment, tag us. It's fun. That's what we do. That's how the family's growing. We got our Facebook group, the Shout It Out Loudcasters, which is Tons of craziness and silliness. Um, if you're a humorless Kiss fan, go elsewhere. Yeah, there's okay. not. It's not just humorless Kiss fans. They're humorless podcasters, podcasters yeah. out there too. Yeah, that are just way too serious. Yeah, pe- people like slow down, realize what you're doing is fun, and 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 have it be fun. Yeah, nobody's okay. reporting on the Pentagon Papers here. Calm the fuck down, everybody. Nobody's that important. We're talking about like kiss. We're talking about fucking hair metal bands and shit. Like, settle down, everybody. What are you, talk- what are you talking about? Sleaze bees might be getting back together. That's a big friggin' story. That's We're gonna important- get exclusive here. Yeah, that's an important story. That's breaking news. I mean, I understand that there might be an opening on the Supreme Court. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the sleaze bees reunion. We're very important people. What's yes. the guy from fucking office space? Uh, I'm a people person. I'm a people person. God damn it. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> so you physically bring it over. Well, no, my no. assistant does. <laughs> so what do you do? I love that. He looks at goes, why don't you tell us what it is you do here? <laughs> <laughs> tell us why your podcast is so important. I inform people. I'm a people. Tell person. people. I tell people when CDs are going to go on sale. Damn it! I tell people. Here we go. This is what happens. I tell people when fucking the, the Hanoi Rocks fucking cover band is playing the local fucking bowling drum. Uh, it's important stuff. I do. That's break. That's critical news in the world of rock. 
All right. Oh, anyways, that that's our little side diatribe like we do every week. Uh, And of course, as we said at the beginning of the show, we love our Patreon family. Thank you guys so much. You guys rock. You're the best. Can't be more grateful for what you guys do. So thank you for that. Uh, And of course, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows. Tons of great shows, including our friend Jay from the Hook Rocks, Baco and LC over Cobras and Fire. Tons of great shows. Check all those guys out. Um, And our great friend Ed over at Click T-Shop. If you want a nice shout it out loudcast or album review crew shirt check out ed's website click t-shop click with a k yeah if you do get any of those please tag us show us you're wearing them and we'll definitely give you the shout out yes uh dm us on twitter facebook instagram anywhere you can we're happy we always read them and uh most of the time we're able to get back to you guys and we appreciate those and if you need to keep it private we'll keep it private uh please subscribe to our youtube channel constantly growing we appreciate that so thank you very much um give us one of those five star Star. child reviews so people can find our podcast that's a huge help we've been on a roll like every week we've had a new review to read tom you got a new one for us yes we got one from halo 72 Ooh, says tom and zeus equal Kiss awesomeness. Five stars. I've been listening to this cast since episode five, and I love the banter each and every week. Not only are they amazing with their Kiss fandom and passion, but they have created an awesome Kiss family that takes their cast experience to the next level. Their longtime friendship comes through in each episode, and I'm thankful they do what they do. Keep up the great work, guys. Peace out, Girl Scout. Woo! Fantastic, Halo 72. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank you. He's been a longtime listener as well. Yeah, I believe he has. I, I'm not going to give it away, but I think we know his Twitter handle, if yep. that's who I think it is. And we want to yep. thank him for that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll repeat the email. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. So thank you guys for uh, another great episode this week. Another, <laughs> what a way to end this month. Uh, so, Tom, we always end on famous last words. You got any? Oh, yeah. Take me to the jungle, honey. We're living in a human zoo. Get you turning tricks for money. I'd rather roll around with you. You do. (laughs) You do. You say you like to dance. Mm, I think I'll take a chance. Ooh, baby, maybe it's time for romance. Another visit by Louis Armstrong. Welcome <laughs> to Shout It Out Loudcast. Ah, ah. <laughs> no, that's Vince Neil. <laughs> and what was ah. our, what was that awesome new, <laughs> new Twitter handle? Fat Vince is out of breath. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, Tom, thank you. Eddie Trunk. Thank you. Loudcasters, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Eddie Trunk, huge thanks to you. Uh, Thank you so much. What an awesome, fun episode for us. We hope the listeners enjoyed it. Uh, Patreon, thank you. Loudcasters, everybody, you guys rock. Zeus is always my friend. Thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. We love you! Good night!
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 